Hey everybody, thanks for checking out the Glendale Road Church of Christ podcast. You're welcome to join us anytime you're around. We are at 1101 Glendale Road in Murray, Kentucky. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., followed by our Bible study at 10 a.m., and we come back every Sunday evening for a bonus worship hour at 6 p.m. Also, every midweek on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have a Bible study. You'd be welcome to join us. We'll be sure to save a seat for you. Now, here's this week's sermon. I'm reading from uh, Luke verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 68 through 72. That's the New King James Version. Blessed be the Lord of our God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has by mouth uh, by the mouth of his holy prophets who have since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us and to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Be seated. God is good. All the time. I love that. Well, along with the theme of Memorial Day, uh, we have, as Lance pointed out, remembered our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who reminds us that as long as we partake of the cup, we proclaim His death until He comes again. So on one hand, we've already remembered, memorialized our Lord, but you know in Scripture there are, if you were just to look up the word remember, and just read all the passages where God says, remember. It's pretty interesting some of the things that you'll come up with. But before we get right into that, I want to look at this passage with you because one of the things that Zechariah says there in verse 72, that God has remembered his holy covenant. You see, months ago, John was in the temple, uh, excuse me, Zacharias was in the temple, and he had a once in a lifetime opportunity. And the opportunity he had was he could offer the incense on the altar of incense. That may not mean much to you, but to him, it was like the greatest thing possible because the altar of incense was right outside the Holy of Holies. So literally, Zacharias was the closest he had ever been to God in his life. So when that time came, the other priests who were within the temple, they withdrew, and then there John is offering the incense on the altar of incense. And when the people saw the smoke of incense go up, they would all begin to pray. But on this day, what was interesting was that an angel came and spoke to Zacharias. Now, Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, they were beyond childbearing years. And so they just figured, well, that would never happen for them. However, the angel came and says, you are going to be a daddy. Elizabeth will bear a child and he will bring a good message. He'll prepare the way of the Lord. And then Zacharias, he said, how can I know that these things will be for sure? Well, then the angel struck him so that he was mute. He didn't like hit him, but he struck him with the condition of being mute. 
often wonder, did Miss Elizabeth appreciate the fact that her husband couldn't talk for nine months? I, I don't know. Scripture doesn't say. It's kind of like that thing, you know, ladies, your husband will get around to that list that you've given him. You don't have to remind him every three months about it, right? If he said he'll do it, he'll do it. But anyway, so Zacharias is mute and he cannot speak. And so his son, John, is born and his mother, John's mother, Elizabeth, says we're going to call him John. Everybody that was there said, why? That's not one of the family names. How many of you are named after a relative of some sort? Anybody carry on? Yeah, a lot of you, you have some family names. I'm glad that I didn't get that so much because we have in our family Vestal. That's an odd name. We have Orville, like Redenbacher, that guy. You know, we also have uh, one named Tealy. So in, in my family, they're a bunch of Appalachian folks, and they just, I don't know, they threw a pan down the stairs, and whatever sound it made, they said, that's the kid's name. But John was the name that, they were to, that he was to receive. And so everyone is looking around like, uh, Elizabeth, are you sure? And so then they give something to Zacharias, and he writes the name John, which means gracious. And that's what John did. He preached a gracious message. And so the very first time after all these events that Zacharias speaks, he speaks and prophesies. If you look at verse 67, now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying, the first thing that he says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. That's how his prophecy, his prayer began. For he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. <clears throat> Israel's recent history is a little bit fascinating, kind of gives us insight into the mind of the Israelites of the first century. Obviously, right now, they are under Roman occupation. And before they were under Roman occupation in the first century B.C., they lived about 100 years as free people, like what we live. But then the Romans took over and came in and essentially made them a vassal state. And so when you read something like that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, you know, there's something that he has in mind and that others would have had in mind. But verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. It's not that God had forgotten his covenant. That's just a way of saying God is now fulfilling these promises. So when it says, remember in the scripture, there are a few things I want to point out. There are a lot of things that we could look at, but there are a few that I think are especially meaningful. Jesus in his great commission, told those apostles about making disciples, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Sometimes we forget that God is with us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 reiterates this very point that God has told us he'll be with us wherever we go. And sometimes it's easy to forget. I had a bad morning a few weeks ago and came in and I just shut my door and I spent about 15 to 20 minutes in prayer. You know, nobody was around from what I could see. I know Jeannie was up in the front office. Jacob was somewhere around. And I just prayed for about 15 to 20 minutes, just me and God. 
And afterwards, I noticed that I just started feeling a little better as time went on. It's almost like I had to, I just had to go to my father in prayer. But we forget sometimes that he's with us. And some of the ways that he is with us may be the people sitting right next to you. One of my favorite psalms that I often will use at funerals is the psalm that says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe one of the ways that he is near to the brokenhearted are by a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's by physical family who show up and help out. Maybe, who knows, it's by a comforting presence of someone that can bring us peace in a moment where we feel chaos. But have you ever noticed that people are bolder to something when someone is with them? A person is more willing to sign up for a challenge if a friend does it with them. A child is more willing to try a ride if a parent does it with them. By the way, interesting factoid, I have never in my life been on a roller coaster. And I never will get on one. And if you people, and I get people like, really? Yeah, never been on one. And it's not because people wouldn't ride with me. I'm just, I'm like, nope, no thank you. If I wanted to be in that situation, I would have joined the forces and become one of those uh, top gun pilots. I have no desire for all that. But employees are more willing to keep company policy on an issue if their employer backs them up. And so it is with us and God. We are more willing to fulfill a task as people if we know and believe that God is with us. And if God be for us, who can stand against us? So when it feels like the walls are closing in and hopeless, and when you think nobody else understands, nobody is there, remember that God is with us. Secondly, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. According to my gospel, Paul says, the resurrection is so, so meaningful. I know I've harped on this before, and it's, it's never, never out of place to emphasize it again. I think about the disciples and how they must have felt on that day that Jesus was crucified. They had in their mind who he was and what he was supposed to do and who, what he would bring to Israel. And then when they see him captured and crucified, perhaps their hopes were dashed. And they were disappointed. They had to take him down quickly and bury him because sundown on Friday began the Sabbath. And, you know, you got to handle all this stuff before the Sabbath. And so from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night, they did no work. Then on the first day of the week, some of the women had prepared to go and anoint the body of Jesus. But during that whole time, do you think they were having conversations along the lines of, it wasn't supposed to happen this way? This is not how things were supposed to be. I don't understand why he died. I thought he was God's Messiah, his chosen one. Why would God allow this to happen? We all believe that he was a prophet we believe that he was the Son of God. How did it come to this? And then that Sunday morning, they would discover not a tomb with a body, but they would discover an empty tomb. Now you think about all the other leaders of every other religion on the face of the earth. You go to Buddha's temple, or rather his, uh, uh, his grave, and you're going to find Buddha there. You go to the prophet Muhammad's grave, and guess what? You're going to find him there. You go to any of these other leaders of other religions, their graves are still occupied. 
But for us, the grave of our Lord Jesus Christ is empty. And it's empty with good purpose. That is what I love to say about it. By death, he put death to death. So that when the resurrection comes and when that final judgment is there, we can have eternal life and we have to die no more. The significance means a lot because when you think about all the names that Gary read this morning, and those were members of this body, there are many more that could have been added to that list if you think of the members of this church who have lost loved ones that aren't members here. And living in the wake of grief is difficult. Sometimes it's paralyzing. But one thing that a good sister reminded me of, her name is Beverly Watkins. Uh, Her husband, Bill, preaches at the Creve Hall Church of Christ in Nashville. Beverly has a saying, and that saying is, Sunday is coming. And what she means by that is, from the hopelessness and the brokenheartedness of the day that Jesus was crucified and the interval in between, They didn't have that perspective, but Sunday came and the grave was empty. And so when we think about our own grief and all the losses that we have right now and in that interval, it's heavy, it's dark, sometimes it's overbearing. But remember, Sunday is coming. That resurrection day when we're all called before the Lord and we finally get to go to our heavenly homes. And if that doesn't excite you, I don't know quite what will. You know, sometimes, because we have it so nice in this life, it's easy to not think much about heaven. But think about the people in other places of the earth when they may not have it as nice as us. Heaven sounds so much more appealing. And maybe some of the suffering that we endure, some of the things that we go through, are meant to remind us of that very thing. Because you see, what do we try to do here on earth? Think about activists. Think about people who say they want to change things through government or through some other means. What are they trying to do? They're trying to create heaven on earth. But but it's not going to happen down here because God already has it up there. I want to read to you my favorite passage. And if you wish to turn there to look, it's Revelation 21. That's the very last book in our Bibles. Revelation 21. I've never seen it, I've never been there, but I read about it. Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. We've all been to weddings. We've all seen the highlight of the wedding. It's not the groom. He's just that guy that's got to stand there. But the bride, beautiful, radiant. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Israel was referred to as the bride of God. So get that. If you've been to a wedding recently, get that image in your mind. Heaven is prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. 
God Himself will be with them and be their God. Here's my favorite part. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said to me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. One of the places, there are typically three places that are very common throughout the week that a minister is going to visit. Hospitals, sometimes hospices, and funeral homes. I'll be glad to never after have, ever have to visit those places again one day. I'll be glad that when we get to that heavenly home that those who have dealt with physical ailments are healed no longer to suffer. So right now may be difficult. Right now the grief may be overbearing, but please remember what heaven holds and remember Sunday is coming. So first of all, we remember that God is with us always. Secondly, we remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. But we also remember those who rule over us, who have spoken the word of God to us, whose faith we follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Sometimes we forget our leaders. And not just necessarily those who rule over us, but I remember it was my Uncle Andy who sat me down at Taylor Christian Camp somewhere around Russellville, Kentucky, and we were there in, uh, we called it the mess hall. I don't, the, the, the big building that everybody meets in for the meal, cafeteria, whatever. So he got, he got me, he said, Stephen, come here, I want to talk to you. And he sat me down and he said, he said, do you know what sin is? I'm like, yeah, I think so. It's like, you do something bad, right? And he said, yeah, that's, that's a way. He said, uh, he got his Bible and he, he looked and we looked at a, it might have been something like, for all have sinned against the glory of God. And he was like, that's you, that's me. And he said, do you know what the consequences of sin are? I'm not sure. Well, the consequences of sin are death. And we looked at that and he said, you know, every one of us needs to be saved. And Jesus saves us. And do you know how he does it? No, I don't know how he does it. You know, well, through his death on the cross, he can save us. But we have to respond to that. And so the way that we respond to that is, do you believe? And I was like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. He said, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, now we have to repent. That means we have to turn away from those old ways and live the ways that God wants us to live. And he said, he just asked me very simply, he said, Stephen, do you want to be forgiven and do you want to live in heaven one day with God? Yeah. Yeah. And so we go down to the crick. Y'all know what a crick is? So we go down to the crick. And it was late May. And so this creek, it had a lot of trees around it. And it was very shadowy. And when you got into the crick, it was very chilly. Very chilly. But we were there and everybody was coming. The whole camp came. They had called mom and dad. And mom and dad said, do it. We won't make it, do it. And they asked Aunt Lisa, take pictures, please. And so I think somebody took a video, I'm not sure. And so we're standing down there by the creek, and there's a fellow by the name of Courtney Williams. 
Courtney Williams has the most beautiful bass voice. Like if you were near him when he was singing, you could feel the vibration. It was pretty neat. Courtney joined the Navy afterwards, and if you've ever watched the inaugurations over the past few years of presidents, he's that voice on the radio announcing who's coming. The president of the United... He's called the voice of the Navy. Look him up. You think I'm lying? Look him up. Courtney Williams, voice of the Navy. But Courtney was leading a song, Humble Yourselves in the Sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. And I'm standing right there with Uncle Andy, and all these kids are singing that. And I just remember, like, i got to rub my eyes. And then I just turned to my Uncle Andy and I just cried. But then Uncle Bo and Uncle Andy, they take me down into the water. And Uncle Bo baptizes me. And I can't explain it, but when I came up out of that water, it, there was no feeling like it. To know that I'm now a child of God, that I've been forgiven of all the things that I've done, that God loves me, that I'm one of His children, that I get to go to heaven. I remember my Uncle Andy, but I remember also the elders that are currently my shepherds and those that have been. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Not only those that are presently my shepherds, my pastors, but even those who have been and maybe they have stepped out of that role. They have contributed to my faith. They have contributed to your faith as well. So let us remember them. So we remember those who are falling and fallen and we can be grateful because you and I live under a blanket of protection provided by men and women willing to stand on a line to keep the monsters at bay. We can also remember our Lord who kept the greatest danger from us as well, eternal death, giving his own life that we can have eternal life. So we think about the things that we're supposed to remember. But I want to close by pointing out one thing that I'm glad God doesn't remember. In the book of Hebrews, God says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. We remember that God is with us always. We remember that Christ rose from the dead. We remember our leaders who have helped us in our faith but we can thank God that He chooses when we obey Him. He says, I'm not going to remember your sins anymore. Does it mean that God, you know, someone's going to ask, does it mean that God forgets them? No, it means that God doesn't bring it up. It's forgiven, not bringing it up again. It's as if it never happened. He remembers no more. How many of you, when you get into a little riff with your spouse, one of you will bring up something that happened five weeks ago? You tell me you're going to take out the trash. Well, yeah, you remember you didn't clean the bathroom five weeks ago. How, how many marriage, marriages have those types of discussions or arguments? Okay, so if it's us, if God said, or we God says, he's not going to bring it up. Doesn't mean that he forgets. He just, he says, I'm not going to bring that up. That's what forgiveness is. I'm not going to hold it against you. Yeah, you did it. Okay, not holding it against you. When he chooses to remember our sins no more, that's just marvelous. So I want to extend to you an invitation, the same invitation that I once answered, that many of us once answered, and that is the call to come to the Lord in faith and obedience and be buried with him in baptism. 
that He will remember your sins and unrighteousness and lawless deeds no more. You may respond by coming to the front as we stand together and sing.